I cannot not write. I write every single day. It's such a passion for me. It's as it's um it's as fun as eating ice cream, as fun as eating chocolate, as fun as traveling, as fun as playing, even more fun than than watching a good movie. I really really love writing. You're listening to the Wholehearted Podcast and I'm your host Cohen Tan. I'm on a mission to set hearts free and inspire people to break out of their self-limitations to create the life of their dreams. Each episode, I speak to people around the world who live with vigor, courage, and authenticity. And I hope their stories can inspire you. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Hello, listeners to the Wholehearted Podcast. Welcome to today's episode. And I'm really excited to have a very good friend of mine, fellow speaker, Shah Nasino from the Philippines. Welcome, Shah. Hi, Colin. I'm really happy to guest on your podcast. So excited and I'm so happy for you for finally launching your podcast. Fantastic. You know, Shah is the host and founder of the World Gratitude Summit with 15,000 virtual participants from 49 countries. She's also host of the Global Authors Summit, the HR Summit Global of which I was a guest speaker, and she also co-founded the Global Success Summit with Jonathan Lau. She is not, she wasn't a writer in the past, but today she has written 15 books and has helped 100 plus first-time authors to write and publish their books through her signature online course, the 90-Day Book Writing Challenge. Today, Shah inspires fearless possibilities by helping leaders and organizations build a culture where everyone is seen and heard. I absolutely love this, Shah. I'm so looking forward to our conversation today. We usually start uh, our podcast with um, uh, the common question we ask our guests. What does a wholehearted life mean to you? Okay, for me, it means you know who you are. You're clear about your values and purpose. And you put love and excellence in everything you do. I love it. I love it. You know who you are. You know your purpose. But here's the thing, right? It's like there are many people that are living in the world today. They are looking for that elusive life purpose, right? It's like how would you say uh, you could help people to find their life purpose? Okay, so this is an entire talk, Cohen. Do we have one hour? No, just kidding. <laughs> I'll give a very short, um, very short technique on how you can find your purpose. So for me, it's simple. Number one is know what you really, really want to do. What is your passion? And then number two is where do you excel the most? Where do you excel the most? And then find where the two meet. Find where the two meet. For example, you wrote down everything that you love to do on one page of a paper and then on another page, what you do best and then find, okay, which of the things I really love to do are also what I do best. And then the next step is how do you give value to other people using the answers that you found in number one and two. So for example, for me, I really love writing and speaking. And those are the two things also that I excel at the most. And so my purpose revolves around my my love for speaking and writing. Well, fantastic, fantastic. But I mean, there are people that, that 
they face obstacles in their lives, right? For example, you know, they have they they have work, they have commitments. And what would you say to people uh, who have common ideas like, you know, I I yeah, that's great. You know, I really want to do that thing, you know, follow my purpose, follow my passion, but I've got commitments. What would you say to people like that? Okay, so this was also where I came from, Cohen. I used to be an employee for nine years. I already knew my purpose, and I know that it's not to be in the corporate world at that time because I know that I can serve best if I focus full-time on speaking and writing. But at that time, I did not have enough time. So what I did was I asked myself, how can I use these talents of mine to give value to my company? Because I was employed, right? So I would talk to my boss and I, I would tell my boss, this is what I do best. Um, I know about these things. If you need, if you need me to do this particular thing as an added, added, you know, for me, it's a gift for the company. Um, I can do it for free. So there are so many creative ways by which you can make time to live your purpose, even if it's not yet full time. Yeah, I really believe in giving value. Um, when I was still an employee, my work was not in line with my passion and skills. I, I asked myself, if I were the employer, how would I want my employee to behave? So how would I want to behave to give value to my company? Wow, that's so meaningful. Actually, that was what I was about to say it until you, you took it right, right out of my mouth, right? It's like, uh, it's all about adding value. And I think you ask yourself a very, very powerful question is how can I add value to people? How can I make a contribution with uh, my gift and my talents and my passion and my purpose? And I think that is so meaningful because by asking that question, suddenly we start to see opportunities opening up everywhere. That's true. And you know what, Cohen? The funny thing that happened was when I quit my job in the bank, I I was in good terms with my bosses. I was in good terms with the CEO to the point that when the CEO saw that I, I launched my latest book on, on Facebook, he messaged me and said, Sha, can I buy copies of your book? I want to give it to my friends. And then wow. also, um, I remember I gave, a, I gave a pro bono talk to a group of, um, to a community, a non-government organization. One of the attendees recommended me to her boss. And her boss happened to be my former boss in my previous company who now moved to another, another bank. So imagine because we maintain good relationships, he approved that I will speak to her company, to her team members. And by that time, I was already a full-time speaker and they gave me my, my real professional fee for, as a speaker. And the company where I used to work, the bank where I used to work, also hired me just a couple of years ago before pandemic to give a talk to the company, now as a paid professional speaker. Wow. Everything comes back to you. This is fantastic. Um, you know, sometimes when we think about, oh, how can I make money uh, using what I am great at doing? That is a question that's really, uh, you know, steeped in, um, you know, a lack mentality. Uh, you're already admitting, you're already having a tacit admittance to yourself that you don't have enough money, right? So you want to make money. But if you think about right. how can I make a, a greater contribution, the money will follow. Exactly, Cohen. You, you got the secret actually to making money. So I remember I was buried in credit card debts before. That's why I really invested in my financial literacy. So that was the first subject I was so passionate about. And I learned the secret about money. 
And the secret was what you just uh, shared a while ago. The secret to making money is to serve first and then money will follow. You give value because ma- money is a symbol of value. So it's not a question of how can I make money? It's a question of how can I give this value to someone who really needs it? And because they saw the value, they're willing to pay me this much. Absolutely love it. Love it, love it, love it. May I just ask a question? I mean, if you don't mind me, <laughs> just pressing a little bit on that um, that, that, that um, dark uh, episode of your life. Did you get into debts uh, because you were, you know, like living a wholehearted life? You know, I want to go travel. I want to go uh, eat, eat in expensive restaurants, buy branded, branded stuff. Um, did you kind of like live that wholehearted life and therefore you... you <laughs> I mean, for those viewers uh, listening to this podcast, I'm referring wholehearted in inverted commas. Yes, the YOLO. So what happened was um, when I graduated from college, I was earning my own money and my allowance, my salary was three times my college allowance. I, I did not know what to do with my money. I offered to give some to my parents, but my parents said, shall save for your future. And I said, why should I save? I would always get Salary every 15th and 30th of the month, right? So I was uh, I was stupid at that time, financially stupid at that time. And so I kept on spending because I knew that money will never run out. Um, and I would see my office mates buying these gadgets and I would I would join the bandwagon as well. I would see them travel. I would do that as well because I, I wanted to be in, right? I was a millennial. And then I had the credit card. I had access to credit card. You just swipe it and then sign you're off the go. I felt that the credit card limit was my money. I did not realize it was just, that's just the credit line. It's not really yours. So I was spending and spending and spending. And then a year later, I found out, oh my God, I maxed out my credit card limits. I did not like my, I was sick and tired of my job. I wanted to quit. So when you say wholehearted, I felt I was living a wholehearted life, but I, I was... I was actually um, not being wise in making decisions at that time. So it was not a wholehearted life because it was not aligned to my values. I did not know yet who I was at that time. I did not know my purpose yet. And I was not putting love and excellence in what I, I was doing. I was just following the bandwagon because I wanted to be accepted by the society. <laughs> <laughs> wow, wow, wow. I mean, just looking back at that, I mean, thanks for sharing. Thanks for thanks for your sharing. I mean, this really reminds me of something I heard recently. Uh, a lot of times people want more money without really mastering the skill of wielding that money. It's like, you know, a person who wants to buy a, you know, a new tool, like, a, you know, to buy a very, very expensive, you know, land mower, but you don't really have a skill to, to actually use it. There was a the point of uh-huh. that tool, right? So right, it's kind right. of like, God or universe knowing that, you know, you're you're not ready to learn how to wield it. You haven't had the skill to wield the money. And so God or the universe wouldn't send it your way until you have mastered the skill of wielding it. Right. You know, the most difficult, the most dangerous thing to wish for is to have a lot of money, to have increase in your salary, increase in your in your income when you don't know yet how to manage your money. Because Money magnifies who you are. If you don't know how to manage your money, you will be in much bigger trouble. Absolutely love it. Absolutely love it. Yeah, I mean, I remembered uh, 
back in 2014, I had the biggest uh, breakthrough year of my of my business. I have finally cracked, you know, six figure uh, per year. Wow! And um, I I really started to think I was some big shot, you know. And um, I I I went to blow it all on a a couple of trips to Europe. And when I came back, I had this really bad sense of imposter syndrome. I really started to doubt myself. I I started. I started 2015 asking myself if I could repeat my success again or would it be a, just a one-hit wonder. I remember 2015, I crashed. It was because oh. I really didn't learn how to deal with money. At the same time, I haven't quite worked on my own worthiness issue yet. I'm just going back to, uh, you know, uh, at the start of the podcast, you mentioned that you le- you have always discovered you love to speak and to write. Have you always known that this is what you were meant to do? The discovery came as a surprise. And I'm so glad because I heeded the call to write a book. So um, when I learned about money management already, and I really wanted to share what I learned to as many people as possible, I realized that money was such a sensitive issue. My friends did not want me to talk about money. And I I had this burning desire to share the message, but no one wanted to listen to me. And I felt like the best, the the message would, would burst. And I, I really had that excitement and passion to share the message, but how, how can I let this message out? And at the same time, respect the people's preference, whether they would want to listen to me or not. Right. So that's when the idea of writing a book came to mind. And when the idea of writing a book came to mind, I felt so uncomfortable. I did not want to write a book because, number one, I was not a writer. I was not good when it comes to writing. I was a math person um, growing up. I love math. I love numbers. I did not like anything that has to do with words because I was lazy to read and I had no talent in writing. Absolutely no talent in writing. And then number two, I hated writing. It was torture for me. But I felt like God was really telling me, write write a book. It's not for you. So again, going back to service, right? You, You learned about this information. You know how important it is. Now, I want you to be selfless and share the message. I know, I know you don't like to write. I know it's not your gift, but I'm calling you to write this book. And finally, I heeded the call to write a book. And um, it took me three years to write a book. But in the process of writing my first book, I fell in love with writing. I really fell in love with writing. I love writing. And today, I cannot not write. I write every single day. It's such a passion for me. It's as, it's, um, it's as fun as eating ice cream, as fun as eating chocolate, as fun as traveling, as fun as playing, even more fun than, than watching a good movie. I really, really love writing. So I used to attend seminars on money management because that's what my interest had at that time. This huge seminar company invited me to speak in that event of 400 people, in-person event. And I was the youngest speaker. The other speakers were CEOs of multi-billion com- companies, multi-million companies. And I was the youngest, and the only reason they invited me was because I wrote a book on money. And at that time, I was I was so shy and introverted. And the last thing I would want was to be on stage, being seen by people on spotlight and talking. Um, but, you know, years 
I three years prior to that, um, I joined Toastmasters because I was embarrassed with a job interview I I applied for, and I really wanted to learn how to communicate my message better. So I joined. So it means three years three years later when I got invited to speak in in that con- in that conference. I had the confidence already to speak. Wow, <laughs> I'm processing all that. I mean, I mean, I was also um about to shed a tear listening to your sharing. And for those of you listening to this podcast, you can really hear it from Sha's voice that you know she's she her voice is breaking and she's really emotional about this. I I I totally get it. I mean, it's good, you know, stuff of goosebumps. Um, I really, really just I uh, think. The quote that comes to my mind is Frederick Nietzsche's, uh, you know, he who has a why um, can find any how. Uh, I think that is such um, a, a powerful sharing. Um, it's, it's, so, it's so profound, right? It's like when your message is so powerful and knowing that you're the bearer of that message, that you'll find any medium that, that, that is required. So whether that medium is to publish a book or that medium is to give a speech, um, all of this, I mean, you were not a writer. You thought you 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 sucked at writing, and then you became a publisher of like fifteen books now, right? And <laughs> you you were an introvert. You thought you were shy, and now you're speaking in front of hundreds and thousands of people and speaking in exotic locations, and and all that transformation is just you know it beggars belief for most people, right? But it really just comes about with this very powerful realization and powerful question is how can I make a contribution with my message? So, you know, in the word message, M-E-S-S-A-G-E, right? There's a me in there, M-E. So when you focus on message, your me becomes just part of the message. When you focus on the message, your mess, you'll be like, oh, you know, I'm such a mess. I don't know if I can, I'm able to be a speaker and everything. or I don't know if I can publish a book. But when you, when you turn your mess, you can turn your mess into a message. This is so, this is amazing. Oh my God, so beautiful. This is, oh wow. And you know what? In part of message is also the word sage. Now that, now that you're invited, it's because your message is part of your sage advice. Your wisdom is a collection of all the wisdom that you've had and to share with the world. Share. Wow. I love how do you define message, Cohen? <laughs> Me, message. Oh my gosh. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, I just, I just love, love this co-creation process, right? This podcast that we are having right now. I mean, uh, listeners at home, if you're listening to this, I'm sure you're, you're, you're feeling like that there's the same emotions and inspiration that I'm having. Um, for a long time, I've been also trying to write a book, and you know, for a long time, I've been trying to you know publish a podcast, but I've always been held back by, oh, you know, I don't know if my writing is good enough. Oh, I don't know if my, uh, people are going to like my voice. But you know what? When I focus on my message. I want to help people live wholehearted lives. I've seen people who come up to me and say, "Hey, Cohen, you know, I'm 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 lost, and you know, I I don't know what's my life purpose. Um, I, I knew I wanted to do this, but I'm kind of held back by my limitations or my fears, and I just wanted this podcast to inspire people right, that you do not have to be perfect. You just need to begin." One of my mentors told me that. For example, uh, let's say you want to share a particular message to a particular group of audience and you feel like you're not yet at a 10, right? If there are 10 steps, you're not yet there. You're not yet uh, at 10. Uh, what he said was, if you're at two, 
Step number two, look back and help those who are in, in steps number one and zero. Go to step number two. So you don't have to be perfect. Um, I, I always tell this that one of the most uh, one of the most beautiful ways to inspire other people is to is to be your most authentic version of yourself and just share who you are and what you do. Fantastic, fantastic. Uh, can I ask you a question? Like, um, have you have there been times in your life when you know, even though you're successful, right? I mean, I know you're on this upward trajectory, this growth growth trajectory in your life. But have there been times in your life when you know you 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 thought you 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 climbed a mountain and you just look back and realize you know this is not quite it. Yes, and that happened uh, a bit recently. So when I decided to to do more global speeches. I decided to look on that one particular message that I really want to share. So I've shared a lot of, in my previous speaking engagements, I've shared about the power of gratitude. I've shared about productivity, money management, um, mission happiness in the workplace, etc. And all those messages resonated with me. I feel that I was not just the messenger, I was the message as well, because everything that I teach is something that I've been living as well. But I felt like, Oh, I think this is not yet it. I think I haven't grasped yet what is my one big message. I think this is not yet it. And I'm so grateful um, to a lot of people, a lot of our global speaker friends. But I want to highlight, and I want to highlight three people who were so instrumental in me finding that one big message that I want to share with the world, that I want to have a deep dive study about and share with a lot of people. Uh, number one is my friend, Cohen Tan. <laughs> so, Who's that person? Yeah. <laughs> I would Sounds always, like an amazing person. <laughs> yeah, I would always consult Cohen. And what I love about Cohen is that he's very honest with me, sometimes brutally honest, which I love. He doesn't mince his words. He says what he means, and he means what he says. So I've, I've um, consulted Cohen. Cohen, I think this is my message. And Cohen would say, no, that's not you. Then I would go back to Cohen. Cohen, I think this is, this is my message. I'm so excited about this. And I said, you're too, you're using too much brain. You're not listening to your heart. Talks, talking about wholehearted, right? And then Cohen said, you know, I think you are the possibility igniter. And when he said that, I cried because it deeply resonated with me. Possibility igniter. For example, when I did not, I was not a writer. I was able to write books, and and now I've helped over a hundred people write books. I was not, um, I was not a speaker. I was too shy, and now I'm a paid professional speaker. I was not a singer before, and then I thought, why not create music videos? That was in June 2021, and today we've launched 26 music videos. Imagine one of which is an original song. So when I think of something. I'm so fearless in making it happen because I'm not afraid to fail, right? Because I know who I am and I know at the end of the day, I will always choose to love and accept myself. So when Cohen said that, it really ignited a fire in me. Yes, that is who I am. And then the other one is Frederick Karen, our mentor Cohen. So yes. I did an in-team session with Frederick Karen back in 2018 or 2019, pre-pandemic. And what he found out was, Sha, your inner theme is not a topic you deliver, but the effect you have on people. You give the inspiration of hope. Whether you talk about financial management, book writing, um, 
employee engagement, you give hope, you give the inspiration of hope to people. So Frederick Karen. And then the third person is Brenda Benz. Oh my God, when I heard Brenda Benz speak at the APSS convention in 2018, I said, she is my female peg speaker. She is my standard as a female speaker. And I want and I want to be a speaker who could be as excellent as Brenda Benz. She is my no less, no less than Brenda Benz. So I observed how she does things. I followed her on YouTube. I I would um I followed her on LinkedIn. And then um when there's an opportunity to be mentored by Brenda, I chose Brenda. Although I know that there is a slim chance that I would get Brenda because I'm so sure a lot of people will get Brenda as their coach. To cut the long story short, I was part of this intimate group of global speakers who was mentored by Brenda for six months. And Brenda, oh my God, as a coach, as a person, he unlocked in me the 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 again the effect I have on people. He he said, why are you limiting yourself to one one message? You offer variety, and then she said, the three keywords I see in you are inspiring, fearless, possibilities. Again, resonated with what Cohen said, right? The ins- the word inspiration also resonated with what Frederick unlocked in me during the inner theme session. So, so again, it's the power of being seen. I felt seen by Frederick. I felt seen by Cohen. I felt seen by Brenda. I felt seen by by all those um, seminar organizers and mentors who invited me to speak in their events, even when I I still felt I was not enough. I felt seen by my voice coach when he was the only one who told me, "Shut." You have a beautiful voice. When everyone around me, my, my friends, my family, out of love and concern, told me, Sha, please do us a favor. Please don't sing. And <laughs> later on, I realized why, why they asked me that. It's because I was tone deaf, Cohen. I couldn't carry a tune. But for some reason, when the voice coach heard my voice, he said, Sha, you have a beautiful voice. You are meant to sing. So that's the power of being seen. And now I'm so excited to share this with organizations because I want to inspire fearless possibilities by helping leaders and organizations build a culture where everyone is seen and appreciated. And when when I say everyone, we're talking about rank and file employees, we're talking about leaders, we're talking about managers, we're talking about security guards who guard your buildings, we're talking about the cleaners who clean your, your, your restrooms, we're talking about everyone. Imagine if everyone feels seen and appreciated. This could be the hidden potential in every organization. And I'm so grateful, again, I'm so grateful to Cohen, um, Frederick Hyland, Brenda Benz, because they really helped me and to a lot of our mentors. There are a lot. I cannot mention everyone for helping me really pinpoint my message. They saw me even before I saw it in myself. They saw my message. Wow. For the <laughs> listeners at home, I'm just I'm just grinning from year to year listening to Shah sharing this because I'm just so happy that you you found that message that you can really share with more people. Um, you know, this is funny because I think the world that we that we live in, the world is a mirror to you. 
And I think the reason why we connected back in 2014 is also because, you know, at, there was a period of time when I was also going through so, a lot of doubts and um, I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, the, the settled person that I am today. I was still really looking for my life, life journey. And uh, what I really, how we really connected was because I think we, we truly saw each other. You know, we truly saw each other for who we are. Um, I started my, my speaking um, career as well as my training company with the same mission of helping people be seen, be heard, be understood, wow. be respected and be appreciated. And so it's very aligned to, you know, that mission. Oh my God. <laughs> right. And if you think about it, who are your closest friends, right? And these were these are the people you can be vulnerable with. You can share your strengths with and you can share your flaws without fear of being judged. As you face the challenges of living up to your own and others' expectations, you may sometimes feel lost and lonely. However, know that you're not alone. We are here to support you in leaning courageously into your heart's promptings. If you'd like more tips, resources, and to learn more about how you can live more wholeheartedly, or to book me as a speaker, trainer, or coach, please go to coentan.com. That's C-O-E-N-T-A-N dot com. What are some of the advice that you've taken that has helped you succeed, but later became a, a bit of a limitation to further growth? Oh, okay, okay. Hmm. I think I would say the worst advice that um, that I got, the worst advice that I got was when someone out of love and concern would tell me what I cannot do. Like, you know, these people telling me, Sha, this is not really your strength. This is not your, really your skill. Don't do this. Because now I realized why that is the worst advice. Now, knowing who I am, I am the past, Cohen coined me as the possibility igniter. The worst advice you can give someone is to tell that person you cannot be that. Because who are you to tell that person? He cannot be a singer. He cannot be an author. He cannot be a writer, right? Who are we to tell someone he cannot be this and that? If you don't see it in you that this person cannot be this and that, then maybe there is someone who can see it in that person. So I think that's the worst advice, uh, to tell that person no. And again, I want, I want to see possibilities. I get excited by possibilities because I, I believe that in everything I do, I need to put my excellence. I need to do it wholeheartedly and Love it. I need to inject fun. It's like play. You're playing, but you're, you're putting in excellence. And even in my team, when, when I work with my team, we're having fun. It's like we're just playing. But, but the big but there is my standard. Our standard is excellence. It's not perfection, but it is excellence. I realized that I have very low um, tolerance when it comes to incompetence. When it comes to doing work half-heartedly, I have very low tolerance for that. So I want to see you give your best, give your 100%. But as you do that, I want to see you having fun as well. And I can see that we're having fun. It's like we're just playing because I, I believe I also have the gift to see my team. I have the yes. gift to see what they're good at and what they're weak at, and I put them in positions where they're good at. 
Wow, wow, wow. There's just so much to there's so much to unpack over here. I mean, over the last one about being being wholehearted at work, I think that's so powerful, right? Um, similarly to you, uh, for us, our company, excellence is one of our key values. Uh, it's not perfection, but excellence. We're always learning, right? It's like, I think we can learn from everyone. When the saying goes, yes. or when the student's ready, the teacher appears. I think the, the saying is only half right. I don't, I don't think the teacher appears. I think the teachers are everywhere. Teachers, right. they don't just appear all of a sudden. They are everywhere, right? It's just whether the student's ready or not. Sometimes if you're not ready, you know, you have a fixed mindset. But I think that's, that's to me, you know, learning illiteracy. When you cannot learn, when you're uncoachable, when there are clues and, you know, signals around you in the, in the environment and you're missing all that. I mean, coming back to what you said earlier on about possibility igniting, right? Um, you said the worst advice was to tell people you cannot do something. But I just want to be a devil's advocate to that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's, of course, this idea of you know, this self-esteem epidemic, meaning mm-hmm. when you raise children, yeah. telling them, hey, you know, you know, junior, you can be anything you want to be as long as you work hard <laughs> at it. Um, you know, I kind of feel that that is not always realistic. So I'm actually right. speaking the voice of the realist here and say that, look, listen, if the person is um, has no chops for, for, for basketball and if you tell the person you can be a pro basketball player in the, the NBA, I think that's actually setting a person up for failure. What would you say to that? Right. Counter-argument. Right. So I'm I'm reading this book by Dr. Martin Seligman. It's called Learned Optimism, and he also talked about that pandemic, the self-esteem pandemic, wherein, um, if I'm not mistaken, he mentioned a story about these killings, these killings, and you know these um, the the criminals have really high self-esteem. They have high self-esteem, but these were misdirected. So self-esteem is not everything. So uh, when I say the worst, the worst um, possible advice is to say you cannot be this and that. I'm referring to okay. I'm referring to something that that person hasn't tried yet. So for example, let's say someone comes up to me and asks me. Sha, do you think I can write a book? I, I got an F in essay in school. I cannot just tell that person, no, you cannot write a book. You're not good at writing. I cannot just say, I, I can tell, try writing. Um, I, can, I, I, can, I can give her advice like, why don't you start writing your gratitude list every single day and see if you enjoy doing it and see, and see if it flows to you. Um, something like that. But I won't just say no right away. So, so that would be my advice. The people, it takes, it takes someone to be so gifted to see the potential in someone. I absolutely love it, love it, love it, love it. I think, um, you know, here's the thing. The question you asked, you asked a very powerful one coming back was, did you try? And yes. everything is worth a try. You know, sometimes we get, you right. know, get too in our head over, you know, common sayings like Yoda's, do or don't do, there's no try. I think I think that that get misconstrued a lot, and it becomes you know we 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 create a tyranny of you know results. You know if we do something, we need to have results. But it's all about the trying, as you mentioned. It's not about right. producing three you know um, MTVs in half in four hours. It's about the effort. It's about the stretch of of pushing beyond right. your comfort zone, because when you 
make that stretch. You either win or you grow. And when you grow, right. that's really kind of like, you know, what uh, Carol Dweck talked a lot about, you know, the growth mindset, not the fixed mindset. So what you have just done is when people tell you I only do one per day, that's them in their own growth, uh, their own, sorry, fixed mindset. But what you come in and to do is to really challenge them to have a growth mindset. And I think that's so right. powerful. And the person who got an F for writing or for English, mm-hmm. maybe the person doesn't have a good foundation in English. But when you ask the person to do the gratitude list, the person starts to flow because the person is maybe an emotional person. Not everyone needs to be world-class at writing, but the person is world-class at gratitude. The person could be world-class at emotions. The person could be world-class at loving. And once the person discovers what she or she is world-class at, the words flow. Right. This is just so powerful. It's it's all about really trying because when try, do, give your best, make mistakes, learn. Yes. Um, I just remembered a very powerful story, Colin. Can I share? Sure, sure. So I, I joined this essay competition before. So when I was already writing, I joined this essay competition and I really wanted to win because when you win, you get to travel to this particular country and attend this particular conference for writers. So I really wanted to win. And then the topic was on climate change. At that time, I did not have any knowledge about climate change. I felt it was uninteresting to me. But because that was the topic, I really researched about it. And I became so passionate about climate change. I did not win that contest. But what changed in me was I became so passionate about climate change and about the environment. I wanted to really take good care of the environment. I became so passionate about, I became so conscious about my carbon footprint. So that's what it it did to me. And then here's the thing. When I was employed in a bank, there was this climate championship wherein you can apply and then you get sent to this particular country and work with Earthwatch scientists. Because I was already so passionate about climate change, I joined that. It was a few essays, and I got chosen. I got accepted. What a joy. And it's all because I started, I tried to join an essay competition, which I did not win. Did I lose? Did it? Was it a waste of time? No, because it led me to love the topic about climate change, and it led me to later on apply for that climate partnership program. Wow. That's, I mean, so basically it's, um, you know, Sometimes we cannot connect the dots looking forward. We can only connect the dots looking backwards, as, as Steve Jobs have said in the Stanford commencement speech. Like when you look back and connect the dots, it's like, you know, this suddenly makes sense, right? But at a point right. in time, all you had was just a, a hope, a dream, and an attempt. Exactly. We cannot all aspire to be world-class in every single thing, but we can always attempt. I mean, it's the attempt that matters. I love it. I love yep. it. I love it. It's, it's, it's fascinating because people see me as a speaker today, but like you, I was a very sh- quiet and shy. Um, I mean, quiet, quiet and shy boy growing up, and um, I I was bullied a lot in school. And uh, mm. I remember once in literature class, I volunteered to do a, a role play and uh, mm. in Macbeth. And I role played a scene in Macbeth where I actually role played as the witch. And I really, really went. I was totally playful. I just went. Crazy like a witch, you know. So, you know, we all want to be 
crazy <laughs> sometimes, right? And um, uh-huh. but I remembered that I was I was bullied by my classmates after that. They 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 said I'm crazy. They said that I, they sh- they should stay away from me, and they they said I should be sent away into a into a mental asylum. Because, oh my god! And um, since that time, I I kind of like decided that I I was I remembered crying for for half an hour in the toilet after that, and I remember crying on the way home. Um, it was really it was a really bad experience for me, and I told myself I don't want to speak in front of any people again. Um, and it's like it takes an expert right to see something in people. And coming back to right. what you said, the power of being seen. Um, it was in university when I studied French language, and um, you know because it's a new language, I, I thought it'd be fun to just give it a shot, give it a try. And when the teacher asked for someone to do a role play. I decided that I was going to raise my hands. Somehow, my hands just went up. Somehow, I don't know what was it that guided my hands. My hands just went up, <laughs> and I just fell in love because, uh, in French class, everyone's learning a language for the first time. You can just be goofy and make mistakes and everything. And I was back to my goofy self again. But instead wow. of being called crazy, that French professor actually nominated me for the best French language student award. And wow. Those days, I've never received any award. You know, I haven't joined the Toastmasters. I haven't given speeches. But I actually met the French ambassador and I was given a chance to spend a, a month in France um, oh as a result God. of that. So for me, that was really what really ignited me because my French professors saw enthusiasm, whereas other people saw goofiness, crazy, um, no place in the, in the world for this. And that is a very big part of my own transformation and becoming a whole wow. person. Oh my God. And I'm glad that um, you didn't that kill that dream to be goofy because you know what I realized is that it is so important to be seen by the right person. It is so important to allow yourself to be seen by the right person. Right? So for example, um, in your case, the, the, the people who bullied you before so maybe they were not the right, they, they did not see your gift, but the right person, the French professor, saw your gift. Yes, just as your singing coach saw that you actually have the, the chops to sing and not only sing, but to do soprano. And soprano is wow, it's difficult. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow, 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 wow. I mean, sure, it's such a it's such a rich, rich conversation. I mean, uh, thank you so much for all the inspirations that you have given to us. Uh, I just want to ask a couple more questions right before we go. Uh, it's like, you're now a global speaker. You have spoken in various countries on the big stages. In many ways, I feel that you have shattered the glass ceiling in regards to women speakers in your country. So maybe there's, there's twofold to it. There's the, there's the women speaker. And there's also the uh, Filipino speaker, right? Um, what do you see as some of the obstacles fa- facing your fellow countrymen in terms of striving for more success on a global stage? I guess it's about seeing possibilities. I saw what's possible when I attended that convention in 2018. I saw pas- I saw possibilities whenever I talked to you, Cohen. I saw possibilities whenever I see Brenda give her talks or Frederick or other speaker colleagues. So I, I I saw what's possible. And I began to ask myself, is this also possible for me? 
a crazy thing happened. So I attended that convention in 2018, right? And then I began to describe myself as a global speaker. So I told my team, okay, let's revamp my social media. Uh, let's put global speaker as one of my uh, one of my descriptions. And then maybe a month later, I told my team, can we delete? <laughs> I was having imposter syndrome. <laughs> can we delete that? Because <laughs> I was not really a global speaker yet at that time. I just saw myself, okay, this is possible for me. I can be a global speaker. I want to be a global speaker. And a month later, the, the reality sank in. Or I just had that imposter syndrome. I told my team, can we can we can we edit again our our pages? Delete the global speaker. And then one of my team members said, one of my team members said, Sha, come on, you already declared it. Why would you delete it? Why would we delete it? So but we were laughing. We're just laughing. <laughs> and I said, okay, let's not delete it. In Tagalog, panindigan, it means, okay, let's commit. Let's commit to it. I declare that I'm a global speaker. Let's commit to it. Before you can create your reality, you have to be able to create it in your mind first and believe wow. what that is. So, wow. before the companies, before these big companies can invite me to speak in their countries, I have to see it in myself first. I have to see it in myself that my message is worthy and I am worthy to be, be flown to your countries. Thank you so much, Shaw. I mean, we normally end our podcast with uh, three quick fire questions. So uh, we're just going to... Uh, are you ready for the quick, quick fire questions, Shaw? Yes, yes. All right. So the first question is this. What's the most powerful question you have ever been asked before? I think the most powerful... It was not really asked directly to me. But it was a question I later on asked myself because I thought I knew, I knew the answer. It turned out I did not know the answer. And this question that I asked myself came after listening to the talk of Brigadier Sushil Basin in India. Um, the question I asked myself is, do I really love myself? Do I really believe in myself? I thought I was already loving myself. It turned out that was a breakthrough moment for me because that was when I really dived deeper into the study of self-love. Do I really love myself? Do I really know what it takes to, to love myself? Is my definition of self-love working for me? Because I thought before, Cohen, that the way to live was to always put yourself last and put others first, deny your needs, forget about yourself. So I was always, no, no wonder... There came a point wherein I felt like in Tagalog no ubos. In English it means like nothing is left of me. I'm giving I'm giving everything, nothing is left of me. And then burnout would happen, right? So that was the beginning of my self-love journey. And I learned the importance of loving yourself first. It means putting boundaries, it means knowing your needs and really meeting your needs instead of expecting other people to meet your needs just because if it were you, you would meet their needs as well. And also understanding that at the end of the day, you are not responsible for someone else's happiness. You can influence the other person's happiness, but that person is 
ultimately responsible for his or her happiness. And because of that, Cohen, when I learned how to really love myself in a in a beautiful, deeper way, I became fearless. Wow, that's so powerful. Um, the next question is this. I think you have answered this today already. So I'm just going to be a bit of a twist to the question. Who is an unlikely mentor or supporter who has made the difference in your life? And when I say unlikely, it's not someone you have actively sought out. Um, mm-hmm. And it's also maybe somebody from maybe outside of your field of you know, personal development, training, coaching, speaking. Okay. So I could I could think of three people. Um, a couple, an elderly couple who were street vendors uh, near, a com- near the company I used to work for as an employee. So... Um, when, whenever I travel, whenever I'm, I'm on a, an air-conditioned car, I would always see the street people, the street vendors, the beggars. I would always see them and it really breaks my heart whenever I see them. They're in their 80s. And one time I, so before I went to work, I stopped by and really sat down beside the, with them. And I asked them, what time do you usually wake up? Um, they said, wake up at 4 a.m. 3 a.m., 2 a.m. And then the guy, the the grandfather, the elderly cop, the elderly man would sleep in that in that street to save on fare or to save on time going home. So my heart really breaks breaks for them because they taught me how to be more grateful where I am. And at that time I was sick and tired of my job. I just wanted to quit my job. They taught me how to be resilient. Here they are, so uncomfortable, but they're they're joyful. They are joyful. They, they were not complaining. They were so pleasant to talk to. So they taught me a lot of lessons that day. Then the next day, I brought them grocery, and they were so grateful. And we became friends. We became friends. So uh, they're outside my circle, right? The other person who taught me was I went to this home for their uh, home for the elderly um, with my friends. And I was walking with Lola Vicky. Lola in Tagalog is like grandmother. I call her Lola Vicky. We were already so late to the mass. We were attending mass. But, and then she had the steps that I had to dance to. Step one, and then ah, step right, and then look up, smile, count one, two, three, and then step left, smile. So it was really, really slow, right? Really, really slow. And I was in a hurry because I wanted to hear mass and I did I did not want to be late. But I had to I had to um to walk at the pace of Lola Vicky or Grandmother Vicky. And then she stopped and then picked some flowers. She smiled again, gave the flowers to me, and then we continued walking. And then she saw something and then she stopped again. Oh my god, we were really practically when we arrived, the mass was ending. And it was just maybe a 200-meter walk. But she taught me a very important lesson that day. And it's really to stop and smell the flowers. We always hear this. It's so uh, it's so cliche, but right? But but now I, I found value in that because one of my um one of my strengths, which can be a weakness, is that I'm so highly productive and I love what I do. After I do something. Okay, what's next? But Lola Vicky taught me to pause, 
to and and now sometimes I just look at the clouds and I I get so joyful looking at the clouds. I I look I I, I look at um some pet dogs of my neighbors and I I get so happy looking at that. So there, she taught me how to pause and really enjoy the moment, live in the moment. Wow, thanks for sharing such profound lessons you're learning from people around you. I think it really just is a testament to the ready student that you are. Sure, you're always learning from people around you. So um, my final question is this. What is the most courageous thing you've done that's made all the difference in your life? Oh, wow. That is a beautiful question, Colin. Hmm. I'd say when I said yes to speak in this seminar. So that was my first ever speaking engagement. It was to a group of 400 people in the Philippines. And when I was called to speak, I was so nervous. I was still so shy and introverted at that time. But because I knew how important the message was, I said yes, despite my nervousness, despite my own insecurities at that time. And that small yes led me to saying yes to other speaking opportunities. And today, I am so happy and grateful with the kind of life I'm living. I travel the world to speak. I just came from, just this year, 2022, I just came from from France to give a talk there. And then I just came from the U.S. as well. And I'll be traveling to the Maldives to give a talk and I'm so grateful that I get to travel the world and share important messages to as many people as possible through my gift in speaking. And the big bonus is I get paid to speak, right? So, Wow. Thank you so much, Shah. And for our listeners at home, if they would like to um, connect with you, uh, where can they find you online? Okay, so you can go to my website, shahnasino.com, or you can email me at info at shahnasino.com. And uh, your social media handles? Okay, so um, I'm on Facebook, Sha Nasino. LinkedIn, same name. Instagram, Sha underscore Nasino. And I'm also on YouTube, Sha Nasino TV. Fantastic, fantastic. So if you'd like to connect with Sha, you can just uh, drop her a note and say that I know you have listened to her the Wholehearted Podcast and or you have seen her, her videos, her music her videos, listened to her <laughs> speeches or read, uh, read one of her many, many books. And uh, thank you once again, Shah, for giving us so much value on today's show. And um, I look forward to chatting out with you again very soon. Stay wholehearted. Thanks for being part of this heartwarming conversation today. If you've enjoyed the show as much as I have creating it for you, I really appreciate it if you can leave a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. And while you're there, why not subscribe to the channel so you won't miss a future episode? To the next episode, stay wholehearted.